Hey, this is Pastor Joseph and Pastor Jer saying hey. From Anchored and Devoted. Yep, you can meet us online at anchoredanddevoted.com or you can continue to listen on the podcast and send us a message to let us know um, what you want to hear about or comment on a certain podcast that you really like. But please share it. Please don't keep it a secret. Us two sillies in two separate boxes talking to each other about justification today. Uh, I know you've been waiting many moons to hear that word, that you are justified. I am being silly, but it is very true. Um, <laughs> justification is important in the life of a Christian. It is one of our special vocab words uh, yeah. for, the, for the day, and that's what we're looking at. And, Jer, my big reason for wanting to talk about this today was um, so that people would be aware um, and understand as a new believer in Christ, as a seasoned believer, um, there are often um, these thoughts that are very much old in nature when it comes to sin or engaging with um, death or thinking about it or um, how I need to relate to those around me um, that are believers as well as those are unbelievers and justification I know, plays a huge part in that. Um, when you think of justification, what do you think of? The first thing I think about is the uh, legal standing that the okay. Christian has before God, before God as the legal judge, the moral mm -hmm. lawgiver, and the one who, um, you know, makes, has, has a claim to make on the conduct of our lives. He set the law. He also judges how we perform the law. And either, you know, to use American judicial parlance, either we're, guilty or we're not guilty. And uh, the the judicial side of that is that the judge is the one that makes that decision. He, he looks at the conduct, that's both the behavior, and says either this meets the standard of the law or it doesn't meet the standard, standard of the law. Um, justification, the first thing I think of is that Christ's blood in justifying us, what we mean when we say that is that it paid the penalty for our sins. And therefore, even though we were judicially guilty as lawbreakers, his blood has taken us from guilty to not guilty before God because we have been placed into Christ because Christ himself kept the law perfectly. And by keeping the law perfectly, and shedding his blood for us, giving up his life for us, when we place our trust in him, what we're doing is actually stepping into his identity. He places that, that mantle of, of, uh, of identity and placement onto us. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see us through the lens of Jer, the individual, and whether or not Jer performed and kept the law. Instead, he looks at Christ. And he sees Christ kept and performed the law perfectly. And because Jer is in Christ, Jer also now is just as Christ, not guilty. Um, what do you think of? I know for me, I think of um, Sunday school. Uh, I, um, when I was a teenager, I used to um, serve in the Sunday school ministry. And we talked about, um, you know, justification, sanctification, righteousness. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Justification, when trying to keep it simple for me, working with little people, was 
um, God sees you just as if you've never sinned. Yeah. He sees you um, as his child. He sees you as family. And that justification is one that is, um, it's a God thing as far as his vision. Um, because when I do make a mistake, um, as you stated earlier, uh, he sees the blood of Christ. I still right. need to ask for forgiveness and repent of it, you know, whatever the thing is, and and ask for help. Um, ask God to guide me and to, and to make a change, not to embrace sin, but to embrace my Savior. Um, but my Father um, sees me just as though I've never sinned, and that's humbling. Yes. Um, it's freeing. Um, you know, part of... Again, the reason for this topic was I wanted to wrestle with how do we do or share or live out our justification with others. Um, often, you know, we think about it in light of ourselves. Um, but how does our justification, the fact that um, uh, he sees us as holy work um, when it comes to the day-to-day living? So how does, how does that impact your life, sir? You know, we spoke uh, probably a couple months back about when I first, I guess not when I first, but when um, in my mid-teens, when my salvation became newly real to me uh, at a point in my life where I could understand what God had done. One of the changes that came in my experience of life was that I became very aware that A, God knew that I was bent towards sinning Mm. and B, he accepted me in spite of it because of Christ. And that allowed me the freedom to, as Martin Luther says, to sin boldly, which is to say, I didn't shrink back from engaging as myself with God because of the fear that as myself, I'm probably going to let God down or offend him and therefore incur his wrath. Rather, because I'm now in Christ, because I've been justified, there's no longer any enmity, anger, discord, war between God and me. <clears throat> and so you know, the, the verse that immediately comes to mind is that uh, Paul says, therefore we've been justified in Christ through faith, and we now have peace with God. And that peace is not just a, it's not just a um, lack of trouble, but we should think of that peace as more of a peace treaty between a king and a subjected uh, state where the king says, no, I am the king and you're going to serve me. And if you don't serve me, then I'm going to be at war with you because of your conduct. When there's peace, it's because the king has said, and I accept you, and we are now, by my decision, we're going to be at peace. You're accepted. The wrath and the anger of God is no longer towards me. And this is this is one of the things I'm thinking about as we're talking about this. There's another word that I have to throw in here because I think it's really crucial to understanding justification. And it's a big word. Um, I won't spell it, but the word is expiation. The, the idea of expiation is 
the, the simplest way that I could describe it is to say a sponge, when it is cleaning up a mess, expiates all of the liquid into itself, which is to say it absorbs all of it into itself and takes it um, from wherever it is and places it into its own being and takes on itself all of whatever that thing is. So in, in Christ's death, um, what both Paul and John tell us is that Christ died to expiate the sins of mankind and to soak up through expiation all of the wrath of God towards sin for those who believe in Christ. The reason that we can say we're justified is because there is a moral law and we will be held accountable and those who break the law will have to pay the penalty, the debt to the law. But because Christ already paid that debt, the wrath of God because of the towards the lawbreaker, towards the lawless deeds, was poured out on the Christ. He received all of it in its full measure. And as Paul tells us, drank that cup down to the very dregs, to the very bottom of that cup where the silt settles at the bottom. He drank all of it. And so, therefore, those who are in Christ now have total peace with God. And so, as I walk through my life, I don't walk worrying about how I'm going to screw up today and whether or not that's going to break the relationship between me and God. Mm. That's already been settled. I know every time I wake up in the morning, I'm going to screw up with today. And it's going to put a break in my relationship with God. But that's not because he has broken it. It's because I have turned away from him. And he waits just as I wait for my children to turn back to me. He waits ready to accept me back every single time, regardless of the offense, regardless of the severity. And he doesn't simply wait for me. He calls to me. He comes after me and pulls me back to himself, as uh, I believe Hosea said, with the cords of love. It is the love of God that leads us to repentance. I'm still in need of daily repentance, not because God hasn't forgiven me, but because I'm daily in need of turning back around towards him and walking back to pursue him to be in that relationship that you and I so, so often talk about as being the core of what it means to be a Christian, a believer in Christ, a believer in God. Amen. Long answer. And, um, oh, it's great. A little too deep. No, Romans 5.1, that's what got you going. And I know for me it's similar where when you understand what it means to be justified, it, it is freeing. It, I don't have to fear. It's tremendously freeing. Right? I, I don't have to fear making a mistake because I know how God sees me. Yeah. Right? I'm doing my best, or at least what I believe is my best. But the reality is, is my best isn't good enough because I'm right. human. I'm broken. I need to be God-centered, and because I'm justified, it allows for me, as you were stating earlier, to really stay in that love mode, not to fall into a um, a mode of I've got yeah, to exactly, work, it, work, work this out. It's you know, it's true that our faith should be seen through our works, but that's because of the love we have for one another. I don't right. have to um, really. Uh, worry about where my meal is coming from because I know my father loves me. 
Right. Um, with my six-year-old, I had to laugh yesterday because he was getting huffy about a snack. And I, I was like, dude, you've never once worried about food in your life. Um, the, the thing you're mad about is the options. It's not the food itself. Um, and I think for many believers, that's where we mess up. We get so distracted by um ourselves and our feelings and how we want things to be that we miss um the the being able to savor the blessing right the ability to really enjoy being justified as as amazing as it is it allows me to go and engage with you know anyone who's hurting whether it's the person who's in prison and you know, feels like they weren't aren't supposed to be there or the person who knows they're supposed to be there. Either way, I, I don't need to worry about um, myself as far as my flesh. I don't need to worry about my job. I need to worry more about their eternity because I know in the long game, in the bigger arc of God's plan, each person matters more than the things that we try and strive to accumulate. Yes. Um, and so for me, that's how justification plays out is it causes me to say, um, I know that the work Christ did is amazing. Yeah. Because if I think through what I would have done, <laughs> yeah, I would have paid for your sins until you came to know me. And then after that, I've been like, yeah, that was enough. Like you shouldn't do anymore. Um, but to pay for them and to do it to such a degree where the other parts of God don't even see the sin hmm. um, is wild. It's it tough. is. It's so not it's, something that we can fully comprehend because we can't ever not see the sin. We can't ever not see the injustice, but we also can't ever see Christ clearly correct. until we see him face to face. It's so extravagant. It's so overwhelming. And to me that, you know, out of love requires an extravagant response. Yeah. Um, and that's where living a justified life is different. Um, it isn't one filled with fear. It's filled with, you know, leaps of faith. Um, you know, it's, as you stated, it is one filled with peace, but it isn't simply peace of nothing going on in my life and I'm laying on the beach and, you know, uh, enjoying myself peace it's um, the more important peace the eternal peace the the, the heavenly peace that is uh, needed more today than any other because um, we've surrounded ourselves with so much noise yeah um, and so much pleasure um, and so often it causes people to realize they don't have peace and yet he gives it to us freely. I know um, a scripture for me that really resonates when we talk about uh, um, being justified is Romans uh, 3.24. So I'll stay in Romans with you. Um, we are justified by his grace as a gift um, through redemption uh, by Christ Jesus, whom God... Uh, put forward as the payment. And I thought this is the word you were going to go for, the propitiation um, 
Of I'm sorry. I Propitiation is what I was saying. Yeah, I thought that was the word you used <laughs> earlier. I was like, oh, maybe this is the word. I'll clarify that the distinction later. But yes, propitiation <laughs> is what I was going for, not expiation. Yeah, and, and the fact that with the propitiation, it, you know, as you know, it is a full payment. Um, anything else brought up on this balance is to be paid off by me um, kind of payment. And at yes. the same time, it's a you never see the bill kind of payment. Um, well, that that goes to the idea of redemption and redeeming, which is one that's been lost in our culture, except when it comes to coupons. Mm-hmm. When you pull out your coupon, at you know whether you're, it's from Groupon or from the uh, Penny Saver, going back a few decades, mm-hmm. or, uh, they still go out. I think value, the, that big blue value pack envelope that we yep. all throw away. Um, the idea of redemption is that I am paying for something. It, it's the same as getting something out of hock or buying something back from a pawn shop. Mm-hmm. It, it, to put it in a sense, Satan took my life to the pawn shop of justice and said, uh, I'm going to sell this soul of Jeremy to you because he deserves judgment. And then yep. Jesus walks in the door and says, I want to buy that one back. And give him worth. He was unworthy here's, before. but now he's That's worth. right. Here's the payment. I pay it in full. He's now mine. We've been redeemed in that way by the blood of Christ. And that sticking in Romans again, that's where I come to Romans 8, 1, where Paul has described the struggle of the Christian life in, in Romans chapter 7. We can talk about that next time we talk about sanctification. But he comes to the end of that in Romans 8, 1, and he turns the corner and he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Amen. For those who are in Christ. And that's the reality of the life that we've been given here on this earth. Those who are in Christ have no condemnation from God, regardless of what sins they commit in the future. Because the redemption that Christ paid was complete when he pulled you out of the pawn shop. It was for everything that Satan sold you there for not just up to that point, but for all time. Mm-hmm. When Christ bought you out from there, all of that was paid. And so it's not just that God looks and says, okay, well, I'm going to ignore this. He says, no, the bill has been fully satisfied. Mm-hmm. And you are now innocent of all charges. You are now innocent before me and acceptable before all because it's been paid. I know for now me, we have peace. The, the crazy part for me is that the only requirement is faith. Um, like that is the requirement that we actually trust Christ, believe, and then walk out our new identity. That's what's required. It isn't, um, you know, a, a, a certain percentage of your income. It isn't a certain education level. It isn't again, things that we would like to do because those often make us feel good, like we met the standard. Right. There is no meeting the standard. You've been redeemed and out of your redemption, you live a new life that is justified. It, it's one where um, you don't seek sin, even though you know you're free from it. Yeah. You seek to free others and to share the love that attracts you to him so that you bear fruit, so yes. that you grow in grace, and so that you extend mercy. It's 
very unique when you look at other religions as well. Um, because often they will say we're all on the same path when in reality we aren't. Um, the path is quite different. Um, this path requires you not to do works, not to spin any wheels or bring any fruits and veggies or bring anything other than yourself with an understanding, a sacrificial life, a sacrifice life is what God asked for after, after you receive him. He doesn't say change first. He doesn't say get your stuff in order first and then you can come and be family with me. He says, no, I got you covered. And now live out that new nature, live out love. Mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. to me is one of those things where, um, even today it is refreshing to talk about it with you, Jared, because it's a huge reminder to me that, um, my purpose, my calling, my place, my position, being in league with other saints is more important than the other stuff that dominates my day. And I have to remember that as I look for those who are lost and look for those who are hurting um, and look for those who desire to be a part of God's family and just haven't heard the truth, um, the peace is available. That's awesome, man. I I know that when I listen to this, when we post it in a month or two, it's going to feed and encourage me as well, because that's what's been happening. And this topic in particular gives us a solid ground as individual believers and as a church to stand on, because the reality is, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to blow it. And my church is going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to blow it. (laughs) And the Christian church is going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to blow it. And the world can rightly point their finger at us, and we can rightly point the finger at each other and say, you blew it, you stink, you no longer have any grounds to stand on, and tell us about this Jesus. You blew it, so why should we listen to you about him? Hmm. And the answer is not, the answer is found in recognizing the premise of that question. The premise of that question is that the validity of Christ is based on my validity, and that's completely backwards. My validity is only found because Jesus lives. Because he lived, rose from the dead, and accepted me into his family, I can stand regardless of what I do and point back to him and say, look, it's not about me and how I failed. It's about the one who never failed. And yeah, you're right, I did fail. And I'm going back to him again today because I failed. We talk about redemption. I'm sure we'll tease this out a little bit more, but redemption is one of these concepts that is at the same time past, present, and future. We can look at various scriptures in in the Bible and, and see that when the apostles in particular talked about redemption, they they say we were redeemed, we are being redeemed, and we will be redeemed. This process of redemption, this the act of redemption where God buys us back, is one that means as long as we are still in this life, in this mortal world, he's still at work in us, proving that he has bought us. And so when my church stands up and blows it on social justice issues or on stewardship issues of the climate, 
or on poverty or on racial relations or on white supremacy or on whatever it might be. The fear that I see a lot of Christians walk in is that the church needs to be, I either need to be excised from the church or the church needs to be excised from this conversation because the church has gotten it wrong and the church has been at the leading edge of so many of these wrong things and wrong statements for underpinning so many of these decisions and and actions for so long. And my answer to that is the only answer that a Christian can give is everywhere that's true, we've been wrong. And all we can do is repent, turn back to God and say, God, you continue changing us because you're the one who called and you're the one who's faithful. I didn't call myself. I'm not faithful, but you are. And so I throw myself on the mercy. And this is where it really reaches its pinnacle for me. What this means for me as a believer is that I now, because I have been bought by God, I now belong to him. He owns me. He has the right to do with me whatever he wants. And that means, at least in part, that I am no higher or no better than anybody else, which means I cannot look down onto anyone. It forces me to walk in humility, but it's a freeing humility. It says, no, I have been bought. Praise God. I wasn't worth it and I didn't deserve it, but he did it. I've been the recipient and the beneficiary of this. And all I can say to you is, I really want you to experience this too. And I'm not bringing anything to this table. I was invited to this table, and you are too. And I'd love to see you there. It, it, takes, it takes the pugnaciousness, the self-righteousness, the self-focus, the idolatry of works, and obliterates it. When you understand why and how you have been justified and how that affects the way that you can walk now as a believer.